Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. It's good to be back home with you this morning. Although it's slightly different look out the window than I had yesterday afternoon in Orlando, Florida. It's awful, 76 degrees, sun shining part of the time. While the ushers are taking their offering, I just want to make note that, and I say this with relative terms, we're coming to the end of our month of prayer and consecration and fasting. I'm very, very proud of of all of the folks that made it out here, Mondays and Fridays, Mondays and Fridays, Mondays and Fridays. We had 25, 30 people at times, powerful, powerful prayer in the spirit. Um, Just an amazing time, both Mondays and Fridays. I wasn't able to make all of them, but I was at quite a few of them, and uh, I, I was very excited about that. But the reason I say it's a relative term that it's coming to an end is because I don't believe it should come to an end. As a matter of fact, uh, Sister Cordell and I are going to, uh, we have decided that we're going to consecrate one day a week minimum. That will be our prayer and fast day. Um, I have done that sparsely, sparsely and intermittently throughout time, and, and uh, I want to be more dedicated and in specific to that for the church. I pray and fast often for messages, things like that, but I want to be consistent and I want to be effective for you as our congregation and our church and for what God is leading me to do. And so I would encourage you, if you are so inclined, consider that. There is power in the prayer and fasting and consecration that we have. And I am very excited uh, to hear of some of the testimonies and things. I've heard a couple stories already, but we know that in prayer and consecration, the whole church dedicated, we start to hear and we start to see miracles happen and great things happen. Sister Andrea just shared with me this morning that that, uh, Gabe was nearly in a very, very serious, nasty car accident. And, uh, and God spared him from, from a pretty rough uh, collision there going off the road. So thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. I know that there are other stories out there. Folks, the miracles can happen. I just, I am so compelled this morning, if I can dive on into my message, I am so compelled this morning that we're surrounded constantly. The world gets you all week long. They have you. They get to tell their story. They get to show you what they show you. The enemy gets to be the prince and power of the air. But we're in, when we're in here, that's our chance. That's our opportunity. It's my opportunity to tell our story. And I feel like, in a very big way, we need to reinvigorate the power to believe. We need to reinvigorate the power to believe, not just that we believe God. Of course we believe God. I think everybody in this room pretty much believes God, right? We believe in the word. We believe in the the Holy Ghost, I'm talking about the the ability to believe in what God can do through us, to believe once again that we can be effective and we can be powerful in the kingdom. Far too often, you're surrounded with a message out there that it's all doom, it's all done. There's just nothing good gonna happen anymore. It's all on its way out. And I think in a way, sometimes we have that tendency to kind of crawl into our cave, cover our head over with the blanket and say, okay, God, whenever you're ready, That's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you this morning to begin to believe again. We have got to believe. We have to have hope and we've got to believe. 
You must believe if you haven't seen it enough, if you haven't seen what God can do enough, this isn't orchestrated, this isn't a concert. God is moving powerfully in the spirit across this platform and in every single one that worshiped and prayed this morning. There's miracles gonna happen. There's healings that are gonna happen from this this morning. But we've gotta believe again. The world gets to tell their story 24-7, 365, and we're surrounded by it. We swim in it. We deal with it every single day. Look at this crazy circus that happened last week. My goodness, we were down in Orlando enjoying vacation, and we just couldn't get away from it. And it looks bad. And the world looks bad and nasty. And we're surrounded by that. And I don't want it to affect us. I don't want it to take us down. I think we should continue to pray and fast. As a matter of fact, I think on a quarterly basis, wouldn't be a bad idea to have maybe a church-wide week-long fast, anybody that's willing to participate. And I say that because of this. If there's one soul in this room, as I look across our congregation, I know we're missing a few this morning because of the weather and our Sunday school department. But if there's one soul in this room that has a mother or a father or a sister, or a brother, or a neighbor, or a son, or a daughter that's not serving God, that's on a path to certain destruction, then we don't let up. If there's one person in this congregation suffering from diabetes or cancer or some other ailment, and I know we've got some challenges in the room, if there's one person and we don't let up. It's as simple as that. But we've got to get back to believing again. We've got to get back to a place where church isn't a routine as much as it can be. A place where we come expecting. We walk through those doors and we're saying in our minds, what's God going to do today? What powerful, amazing thing is going to happen in our worship service or our prayer service or our 10-10-10 or our preaching or whatever it is? What's going to happen today? I'm talking about reinvigoration in our walk with God, in our faith, in our belief in what he can do. I'd like to take you into a very popular, well-known scripture in Isaiah chapter 40 starting at verse 28. And I'm going to be brief today. I believe that I can make this point very quickly and very poignantly. And that is to say simply that I'm just tired. I'm tired of mediocrity. I'm tired of accepting less and what God has done for us. I'm tired of being a mediocre Pentecostal. I'm tired of praying and accepting that the answer doesn't come, the person's not healed. I'm tired of missing out on the, the power, the gifts of the Spirit. I want to be a Pentecostal. I want to be a fired up, rolled up, apostolic Pentecostal, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled Pentecostal. And I want to bring that back. I'm talking to myself now. I'm preaching to myself. But if everyone in this room was a little honest with themselves, I think we would all agree 
that the world that we live in and the life that we live and the, and the challenges that we face and all of the things that life puts down on top of us can cause us to withdraw. We get tired. Is anybody in the room tired? I'm tired. It's hard out there. It's a beat down. But here, here, this is the place. This is our Super Bowl. Anybody watch that mess last week? This is our Super Bowl every Sunday. This is our World Series, ninth inning, two strikes, bases loaded. This is our World Series. This is our time. Isaiah chapter 40 and 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Everybody left the room. He knew. He knew what we would face. He knew what we would be dealing with. He knew what we would be challenged with. But yet he said to the prophet Isaiah, I'm never going to weary. I'm never going to be faint. And if you stick with me, when you're tired, when you're down, when you're giving up, when you think, my mom's never going to come to God, that healing is never going to happen, I'm never going to be effective for the kingdom of God, when you've gotten to that place, he says, no, if you stick with me, I'll help you mount up on wings as eagles, and you're going to run, and you're going to not be weary, and you're going to fight, and you're going to win, and you're going to see those miracles happen, if you just stick with me, because I don't get weary, I don't faint, I don't back down. It's a promise that's rock solid and eternal as you could possibly get if we just get a hold of it. If we just get a hold of it. I want you to run that face through your mind, that person that you're thinking of when I was talking a moment ago. I know there's a person. I think right now, Brother Steve Whitman, he's not here with us this morning. He wanted to be. I talked to him every couple of days. He's fighting esophageal cancer. They found three spots on his liver. They're doing radiation on his arm and on his back. He's horribly sick. He's dealing with all of this stuff. And in his weakness and in his voice, he says, Becky and I are still praying. I know God's with us. I want to see that man healed. I want to say, God, mount us up on wings. Get us going on this thing. Get us running and not being weary. Get us fired up and powerful and so full of belief and faith. And we walk over to Steve and he comes up to the altar weeping and crying, tearful, afraid. He had to shut his business down last week because he can't operate. He's afraid. And I want to get a group of us around him and lay hands on him. Mike, Brother Brown, Brother Sandin, Brother Dretzka, Brother Rob, Missy, Angela. Come around, gather around Steve and Becky. And I want to pray over him and just know that at that moment, I want to be so confident and so powerful in that prayer that I know that miracles happen and the expectation is there that we pray over him and we feel the anointing and he's healed on that spot. 
And the next word that we hear, the next word that we hear is that the message is that cancer is gone. But I challenge you and I wonder how many of us can keep a hold of that belief every day that we live in this world, every, every negative, nasty thing that we see that's going on in our country, the, the things that are being lost and thrown to the wayside, beat down with all of the negativity that we see and that we feel. Can we hang on to that? Can we still say that miracles happen? That's my challenge to my church this morning. Well, how are we gonna get there? How are we gonna make sure that we keep that going? I'm gonna tell you how. You come into this place with expectation. You pray and worship with everything that you've got and you talk it up. God's gonna do a miracle. God's gonna do a miracle. God's gonna do a miracle. I believe it today. God's gonna do something awesome in the house today. There's gonna be some awesome worship in the house this morning. God's gonna do something today. I believe it. And when God does something for you, you stand up and shout and say, Brother Cordell, I've got a testimony. I wanna tell you what God did for me today. And you're gonna share that testimony. And then that person out there that's struggling in their faith, they're dealing with those challenges. They're not believing so good right now. They're gonna stand up and they're gonna hear what you said. You're gonna say, Maybe God can do it for me. Maybe God can touch me. Maybe God can do a work in my life. And people will begin to believe again. I want to tell you that churches like Calvary Gospel in Madison, is Brother Thorpe in the room? Sister Thorpe, I saw her. Oh, there he is. How many, how many are they running now, Brother Thorpe? About 700? That's a, good size, that's a good size crew. Did they start out at 700? No. They reached a lot of people in the Madison community. And you know how they did it? Because they kept believing. And they kept talking it up. And they kept talking about the miracles and the good things of God. And they were excited about what was going on in their church because one thing happened that was good and somebody else heard it and they shared it with another person and they thought that was good and another miracle happened in the middle of that. And one thing after another happened, that message was awesome. That worship service was awesome, Sister Angela. And they got excited about it. Next thing you know, they're sitting next to somebody at the workstation at their job. Hey, you know what? You ought to come out to my church. This is an awesome place. We have this fantastic worship or whatever that testimony is. Hey, we've got a connect group going on. Hey, I teach a Bible study. I'd love for you to come and talk to you. That's how that church grew. That's how they reached their community. That's how we're going to do the work of God that he expects of us. Starts right here at home. Starts right here at home. When we cast mediocrity out and say, nope, we're done with that. We're done with mediocrity. I serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I serve the King of all the universe that can do anything with the snap of a finger, a mention of a word. At the name, mention of his name, miracles can happen. That's the God that I serve. That's not a God of mediocrity. That is a God of power and might and ability. I believe that in many cases, because of the things I mentioned earlier, I think a lot of us have gotten to a place where it wasn't as, it's not as fresh as when we first came into the church. It's not as exciting when we're all zealous and we went out and told everybody, hey, guess what happened to me? I went to this church and I, I, this happened and I got, I got God and I'm saved now, right? And over time, it kind of slows down and it's a little tougher and you've talked to enough people that have laughed at you or said no or shut you down or, or that family member that just finally just said, look, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And we get discouraged and we get down and the enemy rejoices. 
And we get to a place where, boy, it just kind of, I'm just going to go and, and I'm going to enjoy service. I'm going to enjoy a good word, good song service. But, boy, I'm tired. And this has been going a long time. Nobody's going to listen to me anymore. I haven't been able to do anything effective for a long time. And those thoughts begin to seep in and they become a part of who you are in your identity. And the enemy's won because he wants you to be quiet. He wants you to sit at your workstation or walk around your neighborhood and not say a whole lot and not, not offend anybody or be afraid to, to be made fun of. That's what he wants. He doesn't want us to be excited about what's happening at our church. He wants us to be more worried about conflict issues and other things that don't really matter. And that's where the believing starts to come down. We believe in God. We believe in the word. We stand up for it righteously. We believe in our candidates for office. And we go and we vote. We stand up for that. We say to ourselves, well, if somebody challenged me, somebody really got in my face with a gun and said, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Oh, I would. I would say yes. I'd stand up for God. But we've quieted ourselves. We've kind of slowed down on that a little bit. And look what surrounds us. Look what we're dealing with in life every day. Our grandfathers and their grandfathers didn't deal with a fraction of the garbage that we deal with in life and the, the busyness and the, the, the constant technologies made us more crazy and more nuts and busy than, than all, and all these conveniences have made us worse and more busy than we've ever been in our entire history. And we're weighted down. And we, that affects us and it affects our drive and it affects our belief. Man, I, I think some days if we just all moved into a series of caves and we had a, a pot and a kettle and a little bit of water and we went to church every week, this place would be on fire. Because we have too much. We enjoy too much. But this isn't a criticism. It's not an admonishment. What I'm doing is I'm telling on the devil. I'm telling on the enemy. And I'm challenging myself and my family, you, to believe again. I talked to a person from this church a few months back, a person that I consider to be just a terrific character, great attitude. Everybody in the place likes him. He's just a great, great person, a sweetheart of a guy. And we began talking about ministering to someone that he works with. And I said, hey, you ought to teach him a Bible study. Oh, I could never do that. Why not? Oh, I just don't think I could do it. I don't think I could teach that. I don't, I don't think they'd listen to me. And I thought, man, this guy, of all people that I know, he's, he's magnetic. I would think, no problem. He, he can get a Bible study, but he doesn't believe. And I was really saddened by that. And I said, hey, don't believe that. You can do it. Pray to God. Talk to him. Get excited. Learn one from somebody. Get on board with the thing. Believe in yourself again. And I've started to realize that that thing kind of creeps in and it starts to affect people. Look at Psalm 112. I'm going to go verses 1 through 9. Such an encouragement. Psalm 112 describes the person who serves God and embraces the power that God's given them, literally the gifts he's given them to be righteous. It's a wonderful passion. It says, 
Psalm 1 and 12 and 1 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. I know many of you have said that. Many of you have made that commitment. I will not be moved. I know what I believe in. I am firmly planted and grounded and rooted in the word of God. I know precisely what I believe and you'll never move me from that position. I admire that. And I think we need that because the storms are coming and the ground is gonna shake and we need it to be rooted deeply. He will be remembered forever. Verse seven, he is not afraid of bad news. I'm reading from the ESV version, by the way. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. Doesn't mean mean that's when he'll be afraid. It means he's not gonna be afraid and then he'll triumph over his adversaries. Verse nine, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. That is a righteous person who's taken a hold of what God has bestowed him or her and their abilities and stands firm. I don't believe the bad news. I'm not going to let this world dictate what what I do. I'm not going to be in mediocrity. I'm going to stand. I'm going to be righteous. I'm going to be mighty. You have the right to say those things. It's not a shame to you if you stand for your faith, if you stand and you self-speak, I am going to be righteous. I am going to be mighty today. I am going to do the things that God expects me to do. It's not a shame to do that. It's not a shame to say that. The world does it all the time. They have self-talks and all kinds of Uh, mantras that they chant. Brother Courtney, you know what I'm talking about, right? All those books and things that they give us out in the business world. Why can't we take Psalm 112 and make it our mantra? Make it our standard. Make it the thing that we stand by. I will be righteous. I will not be afraid of the bad news. And I will persevere. I will continue to seek what God has for me to do. I just want to give you a few ideas, and and I'll wrap up here very quickly. I want to give you a few thoughts on ways that you can continue to be powerful and effective for the kingdom. Because as you do these things, it will help your belief in yourself. It will help you in the belief that you can do it. You can be someone that's effective. You don't have to be tucked away somewhere. You don't have to wait for someone else to bring that opportunity. You can be effective. First of all, I think it's important, and you've heard me say this before, that we be intentional and engaged all the time. I don't think we live in a place in history where we can be shut off. We can be in autopilot mode anymore. We're so on the verge of disaster. You know that there's threats already being made that if President Trump is reelected in November, people are going to start committing violence. They've already promised it. As a matter of fact, there's one group that said that if Bernie Sanders is not elected the president, 
in November. There's going to be violence. Sorry, that was a bad imitation. (laughs) We're just sitting on the cusp of just utter chaos. But I know that the word of God says that where sin abounds, grace does that much more abound. We can be that much more powerful in this community. We can be that shining light, that shining beacon. That when the madness is going on out there and we're standing out there doing our outreach effort or taking our sign somewhere or a men's group somewhere, Brother Hemingway, and we've, we're, we're, we're committing to them and we're, we're communicating who we are and representing abundant life and reaching out and we're inviting and we're doing some things. Brother uh, Jeff Dreska is doing a thing out here for volleyball with the groups that he teaches and works with and we do things like that. We reach out. They're going to see us. They're going to see that there's a light. There's something that's out of the darkness. There's something that's different than what they're dealing with out there. And we can be effective and we can be powerful in doing that. If we're intentional and we're engaged, be ready, instant in season and out of season, any opportunity. 1 Peter 1 and 13, this is from the Amplified Bible. I, just, I, picked, a, I picked a couple of versions here that really say these things in a neat way that I think just gives it that... that that current perspective. So forgive me for changing a Bible version, but I, I went to the Amplified version. First Peter, Peter 1 and 13 says, so brace up your minds. What does that mean, brace up your minds? It means be ready. Don't, don't just be kind of Mr. Jello out there and receiving anything that'll come your way or some piece of bad news. It's incredible how the same piece of news can be delivered two completely different ways. And if you listen to it enough, You'll hear it both ways. We've got to be braced up in our minds, ready. We've got to deflect things that are false and inaccurate and negative. Be sober. Set your hope wholly and unchangeably on the grace that is coming to you when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is revealed. Also, be focused and dwell in the positive. This is something that I have to really get across to you, and it's throughout the word again and again and again. Before Zig Ziglar and before uh, all these, these big-time uh, talker guys, uh, motivational speaker guys, I don't know who's the one that looks like Frankenstein's real tall, Robbins, right? Before those guys ever came out, <laughs> before those guys ever came out with this stuff, it was, it was throughout the word of God again and again and again, dwelling on the positive, dwelling on what's right and good. 1 Corinthians 16 and 13 and the Amplified says, be alert and on your guard, stand firm in your faith. Your conviction respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. Keeping the trust and holy fervor, born of faith and a part of it. Act like men and be courageous and grow in strength. You know what that means? It simply means be that person. Don't wait for God to make you into that person. Don't wait for God to guide you into some way or some event to happen in your life, but be that person. Get up in the morning and decide, I'm strong. I'm a child of the king. I can be effective in the world today. I can do the things that are effective for the kingdom. God will use me to plant a seed of word in someone's heart. God will open up an opportunity for a Bible study or whatever the case may be. continue to remember God's promises throughout the word. Jeremiah 1 and 12 says, then said the Lord to me, you have seen well, for I am alert and active watching over my word to perform it. 
The word was written over a period of 4,000 years, a long, long time ago. But God is watching it and performing it every day. See, he's up there doing the work. He's ready to go. He's ready to use you if you believe in yourself, if you believe that he can use you. He knows you believe in him. He knows that you worship him and that you love him and you stand for his word. But he's waiting for you to believe in yourself. He's waiting for you to say, okay, God, I'm ready. Use me. Not just words, but actions. He's just waiting. And that's what Jeremiah 1 and 12 says. He's watching over his word to perform it. The Bible encourages us to occupy until he comes. In Luke chapter 19 and 13, it says that we are told to occupy until I come. Those are Jesus' words. Occupy in the concordance comes from the word pragmatumai. And it simply means to be occupied in anything or carrying out action or business to carry on the business of a banker or a trader or something like that. To occupy, to be in the business of sharing the word of God. Jesus himself told you, occupy until I come. That doesn't mean occupy a pew seat. Doesn't mean stand and wait and hope he comes soon. It means to actively be involved in the business that he has for us to do. Occupy, occupy, be at that business. Be at it in some way, shape, or form. What can I do today to be involved in what God's called me to do? In Ephesians chapter 3 and 20, it says this. It says, and again, the Amplified says, Now to him who, by the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and to do super abundantly. You know this scripture a little bit differently, but I love the word to do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. It's poetic and beautiful. Folks, he is capable. He can use you. You can be effective for the kingdom. Not everybody is called to be an evangelist. Not everybody's called to be a preacher or a teacher or a pastor. It doesn't matter. You have within you the greatest power to ever exist in the universe. It's within you if you carry God's spirit. You have the ability to be effective. Imagine what we could do to reach this community and fill these seats and see our loved ones saved to see people healed, to see God begin to use the gifts of the Spirit in their church that were truly intended to be. Imagine the Pentecost that we could have if everybody embraced this thought and said, yes, I believe in myself again. I know that God will use me. It's in his word. He promised it. He's waiting. He just wants to use you to reach the people who need him. I would encourage you also to create opportunities in advance. Be four-minded about it. Create opportunities. Don't just wait for what comes by, the happenstance or a chance. Create opportunities. Look what it says in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. It says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of opportunities. That's the amplified version. Excuse me, the New English translation. 
making the most of opportunities. If you're not looking for opportunities for God to be glorified in and through your life, you will not recognize them when they're right in front of you. Engaged, eyes open, asking them to present, looking for opportunities, creating opportunities. If you're actively after it, I told you the story when I was a young man, when I was about 16 or 17 and I received a call from God, I believed to, at that time, to pursue the ministry. I didn't know how to reach people. I was frustrated. I had talked to family members, I talked to my cousins, I talked to some friends, and I, and I just kept getting nothing. And, and walking and knocking doors terrified me, and nowadays you really can't do that. You don't know what's gonna pop out of the door at you. Or nowadays somebody'd shoot you, possibly. I, there's crazy stuff that happens. But I wasn't prepared to do that. And so I simply prayed and I said, God, send me somebody, send me people. I promise you, I promise you I'll be ready. I'll say, I'll talk to them. I'll share my testimony. I'll, I'll, I'll give them some word that I know. And I began to study and I really got after the word. I went to Christian school at Elam Christian Academy for three years. And of course we got tons and tons and tons of word and study and all that stuff and memorization. But I just, I just said to God, please send me somebody, give me an opportunity. And I'm telling you, it wasn't a short time after that. But all of a sudden, one person would pop up. Hey, why do you believe the way you believe? Somebody I, I worked with. Uh, hey, my church does this thing, and I don't understand why. Can you explain it to me? And then another person would pop up, and another person would pop up, and another person. And pretty soon, we had Bible studies going on. And I had lunchtime Bible studies, and I was sharing with other friends. And friends that rejected me came back later and said, hey, you know what? I want to ask you about that thing you told me not too long ago. And again, and again, and again, these opportunities came. And Bible studies came, and those things began to work. And it was the greatest thing in the world because I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I have no name. I come from nowhere. I'm about as worthless a person as you could possibly find. But it was great because God said, yes, I will use you. I will use you. And it sustained me and it kept me. And I fought through a lot of stuff as a young person. All the things that young people fight with. Back then it was probably 10 times less than what they're fighting with now. But it, it kept me in the game, and it kept me going, and it gave me purpose, and it gave me reason, and it gave me faith, and I believed. And soon, I began to work with the altar. You've seen me work the altar. I love altar work. And I was so frustrated early on because I wanted to pray for people and see them receive the Holy Ghost, and it would never happen. And pretty soon, I had Scott some teaching, and some people said, hey, let me work with you. And I worked with Sister Inglehart up at camp for years at junior camp. And she taught me everything she knew, and she coached me. And pretty soon, I, we would pray for little ones, and they would receive the Holy Ghost. And I went back to my church, and I prayed for some there, and they received the Holy Ghost. And God began to use me to the point now where sometimes I'll step up at altar call, and I'll say, okay, God, who do you want me to go to? And he'll say, I want you to go pray for that person. I'll fill them with the Holy Ghost. You can do that. You can be there. You can be used effectively in the kingdom exactly like that. If you just believe in yourself, if you just believe that he can work through you if you just give him the opportunity. First Corinthians 7 and 31 says, those in frequent contact, this is the living Bible, those in frequent contact with the exciting things the world offers should make good use of their opportunities without stopping to enjoy them. For the world in its present form will soon be gone. We're in frequent contact with the exciting things of the world. We could dive into television shows and sports activities and all kinds of things that are out there. And those things aren't terrible in moderation. There's nothing wrong with them. 
But what Paul was telling the Corinthians was, hey, don't invest yourself in them. Don't become those things and remove yourself from the things of God. You can be by those things. You can participate in some of that stuff. But just don't stop to dive into it. Don't stop to enjoy it. Meaning, don't become that. Because this world is dying. And it's soon going to be gone. Finally, as I'm closing this this morning, we can have our musician. I believe that it's important for us to consider to attempt, try to do great things. Try to be great in the kingdom. Just give it a shot. On May 30th, 1792, William Carey, known as the father of modern missions, made a profound statement at the Baptist Association meeting in Northampton, England, when he said this, very simply, expect great things and attempt great things. Ephesians 1 and 19 says, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable, this is the amplified again, what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. Unsurpassable, unlimited, immeasurable. That's our God. And he's willing to work those things in you and through you. Finally, I just want to encourage you again. You can stand this morning. Be energized. Be ready every single day. Believe in yourself because of who's inside you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 15 through 17, and the Amplified says this. It says, so, friends, take a firm stand, feet on the ground and head high. Keep a tight grip on what you were taught, whether in personal conversation or by our letter. May Jesus himself and God our Father who reached out in love and surprised you with the gifts of unending help and confidence, put a fresh heart in you, invigorate your work, and enliven your speech. If you've given up to some degree, if you've said in your heart of hearts, kind of thrown in the towel this is all I can ever really accomplish nobody's going to come to church because of me no one's going to be healed if I pray for them if you're just going through the motions because the enemy's beating you down because a few limited failures have kind of told you well it's not going to be possible I'm here to tell you today he is the way maker He is the miracle worker. But he's going to accomplish those things through you. He will send that person to you. He will open those doors. That person will come with a heart ready. If you believe in yourself, 
and you say, okay, God, I know you can do it through me. He will do it. Before you come to this altar this morning, I want you to take a hold of that thought. Forget that you made those, those words. Forget that you gave up. Forget that you turned it in. Forget that you kind of gone through the motions a little bit. That's okay. Those are all natural things that happen in the course of growing and learning and Christian maturity. I'm just doing what I can to help you win. Make your way down to the altar today. Just talk to God. Use me, God. Help me believe in myself again. Help me believe that I can be effective for the kingdom. Help me believe that there's a place that someone can be saved. I want to reach my mom and dad. I want to reach my neighbor. I want to pray for people and see them healed and filled with the Holy Ghost. Just sincerely from the deepest place in your heart, God, please use me. Help me to believe in myself again. The altar's open. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.